It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. As we begin our final hour, I remind you that this happy hour is sponsored, as always, by our friends at The Finished Long Drink. Just a delicious product. Big hit at the Christmas party. As expected, we sold out, as they say. TheLongDrink.com is their website. You can find out where they are sold in your area. You can order online as an option as well. TheLongDrink.com. Always drink responsibly. 21 plus only, please. And The Long Drink is available widely in New York, but also in Florida, which is probably good news for my next guest. Carol Markowitz, columnist at the New York Post and for FoxNews.com. Carol, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Happy holidays. Hi, Guy. Happy holidays. Nice to talk to you. Absolutely. So I wanted to bring you on the show today because, well, it's finally happened. (laughs) Something that you have been flirting with, threatening almost for a while. (laughs) is actually coming to pass. And in some ways, I think it's actually very sad because you are leaving New York with your family. You are Mm -hmm. uh, packing up and moving. And there was clearly a final straw, but this was a slow build. And as many people have commented on social media, people who have known you for years, people who are closer friends with you than I am, said that they didn't really deep down ever believe this day would come because of how much You love New York City. So let's just start with this. Tell us about your journey from childhood to New York. Let's start there, because I think the whole arc of this story is actually Mm -hmm. fascinating and speaks to some broader trends that the audience is going to want to hear. Yeah. So I was uh, born in the Soviet Union and I moved to Brooklyn when I was a little under two years old. Uh, My husband has a very similar story. He's from Israel. He moved to Queens when he was five. So we have very parallel immigrant stories. We grew up in the boroughs of New York City, and we never wanted to leave. Um, I've lived in some other places, you know, temporarily. Uh, I, I've lived in D.C. for a little while. I lived in uh, outside Atlanta. A little, little spent a little time in Colorado, um, in Scotland. But I always New York City was what. I always knew I'd come back to. And I used to have like this joke where, you know, I'd say like, I'm not worried about my kids growing up and moving away because I live in the greatest city in the world. Why would they want to go anywhere else? And I really believed it. I was such, I, you know, I jokingly refer, refer to myself as a New York supremacist. I, there's no better city. I still believe that it's just been carefully destroyed by bad forces and I can't stay here and raise my kids here. And that's really what the bottom line is. I think if it were just my husband and me, we might put up with it for maybe a little while longer, but I have to get my kids out and I have to get them out now. Okay. So let's talk about why you fell in love with New Mm -hmm. York because you were brought there, obviously born abroad, as you said, in the former Soviet union, you come to New Mm -hmm. York. That is sort of where you are are raised. It's sort of home for you. But as an adult, you also had a deep love and affinity for New York, New York City, people jokingly referring to you as like like the chief of the tourism department, the tourism (laughs) bureau of New York City, always, always pushing people to come visit, really very uh, loyal in particular to your neighborhood and poking fun at people who live in other neighborhoods. What Mm -hmm. was it 
and maybe to some extent still, what is yeah. it? But what was it in particular so, that makes you love the city so much? Yeah. So look, everybody loves their home, right? I, and that's not unique to me. Um, but the thing, I, I, I really do think New York is the greatest city in the history of the world. I think what we have here is really special. And I think a lot of forces unite to make this place so great. Um, I grew up in really immigrant parts of Brooklyn where there was you know, so many languages spoken, so many different kinds of food. Um, my kids grow up with like such a, a wide variety of everything. I mean, you know, again, food, but also uh, languages and culture. And there's just so much going on all the time. Um, we also just have, you know, the best of art, the best of um, just so many different things. And I, I really w- always was so proud of this place. I, I thought, you know, nothing could be better. And I, I took for granted that it couldn't be destroyed. I even, you know, I have so many people now in my mentions being like, well, what took you so long? And, you know, whatever. But it's it's easy for people to forget that most of my adult life was spent here with Rudy Giuliani as mayor and then Michael Bloomberg as mayor. Between them, they had five terms. And then even when uh, Bill de Blasio became mayor, it took a really long time for things to start getting bad. Things were so good that they elected this doofus um, because they didn't worry about it. It was all going to be fine. New York was coasting. We were doing fantastic. Our crime was uh, New York, New York. Yeah. Yeah, New York, New York. Manhattan, you know, Manhattan was booming. Brooklyn was booming. Queens was booming. All of these areas were doing so great. And we didn't think it'd be possible for one man to cause as much damage as he has. And even Governor Cuomo was sort of the moderate um, until COVID. So what happened is that with COVID, so much was exposed and so much could not recover um, because of our very poor leadership. Suddenly, who was in charge mattered a lot. And once it mattered a lot, uh, it became really hard to not see that. When did your first inkling start to burn those embers about maybe this isn't the place for my family anymore? And you pushed those aside, you shunted them aside, you sort of quieted those voices in your head for a while, but... They clearly began a while back. Were there a few catalyst events that began this shift? (laughs) Yes, I I can point to the moment where I thought, oh, my God, we might have to move. And it was May 2020. And Governor Andrew Cuomo, then governor, announced his reopening plan. And it was like phase one and, you know, construction and no whatever. And then phase two was retail and some other things and restaurants or um, and then it was like phase three was a whole bunch of other stuff. And then in phase four was like Broadway and schools and concerts and so many things that I thought we needed to bring back immediately. But schools was really the fact that they put schools in that last reopening category. And it was May and I knew how slowly things moved. And I, I, I was like, I don't think schools are opening in September. And everybody's like, that's crazy. Why wouldn't schools wait, wait. open in September? That's months away, <laughs> you know. And then this was didn't. September 2020 so. that you're talking about. Of course, yeah, 2020. Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't reopen in a lot no, of places. Right. I just want to ask you this real but quick. But that was before a crazy we... thing to say. Yeah. That was, that, you know, May 2020, that was a crazy thing for me to say. People did not believe that in May 2020. And of course, you were right. I seem mm-hmm. to remember, and we had you on this show, Carol, and I can't remember when it was. When was it that someone was posting things on your door or around your neighborhood yeah. attacking you mm-hmm. over politics? When did that happen? 
That was also summer 2020. That was summer 2020. Um, I had tweeted something that somebody didn't like and completely misunderstood, of course. Um, and they posted a sign on my door, but also like all over my block um, saying that I, I, whatever, without getting into the details of it, but just that they had completely misrepresented what I said. And purposefully, obviously, because you can't be that dense. Um, and, it, you know, I took it as a threat. Absolutely. Um, but it was just it was another sign of like decline. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that weighed on you. That was part of this decision. You think? Um, I'm not, I'm not afraid of people like that. I got, you know, since then I put security in, I have a, uh, multiple cameras, I have a security system, but yeah, it's not pleasant. Right. When you, you have crazy people who know where you live and let you know that, which is what I thought it was. I just took it as somebody being like, I know where you live. Look, um, yeah, and, and look at this look, bad person, you know. right? This bad right. person who lives among right. us. Shame on her. Shame on yeah. anyone who associates with her. So then, you know, right. a few months pass. September 2020 mm-hmm. arrives. Schools do not reopen. You are proven correct right. about that. And yep. in fact, it took another year for schools to reopen in a lot of parts of the country, including parts of New York, right. with sort yep. of cheering from the establishment, the Democratic Party. They were kind of in lockstep with a lot of these. mitigation, if you want to call it that, tactics and restrictions and lockdowns. And then Mm -hmm. when we started to come out of it with vaccines and all these other things, maybe it felt like the worst was behind us. And yet it's now heading into early 2022 that you finally decided to pull the plug. You've had enough. What was it that finally ended this debate in your mind and decided that you needed to go racing for the exits? So one of the things is that when, when our schools were closed, they were open in a lot of other places in the country and they were doing fine. Um, and so I, I thought that we could learn the lesson of like, hey, let's look at other places. And people would be like, oh, you know, New York City is different. Well, schools in London were open. Schools in Paris were open. I mean, New York City is not that different. Um, schools in Miami clearly were open, um, et cetera. So this year, it, masking continues in New York City schools, and the masking is so intense, and I, they continue to mask outdoors, and, and nobody's masking outdoors. There's no group of people other than school children who are masking outdoors, and our new governor, Kathy Hochul, has moved it back to being two-year-olds and up masking, so you'll be walking around, and you'll see a group of two-year-olds in a daycare, you know, holding on to like a little rope with these little masks over their faces, and it absolutely... I absolutely feel that in a year we're going to be reading articles about how badly this damaged development we're already seeing studies on it there was one out of brown university about how cognitive development is slowing down because of these masks and i i see it in my kids and that's really what it is is that i i keep i kept waiting for new yorkers to snap out of it and they didn't and i have to get was my there kids one out of the situation like this. particular straw that broke the camel's back or was it just a recognition well, that this is going to yeah. be still a long slog <laughs> Uh, it's it's the long slog. Like if I had some hope of of something changing soon, we might not go. But really, I I keep saying my my youngest son turned six in November. He can't read. Um, and while I you know look a six year old not reading really not the end of the world. He will read before he gets to college, I think. Um, but I I see this happening on a massive scale, and I just. I feel like I have to save him. I feel like it's not just him. It's not just this one six-year-old. It's six-year-olds all over the country. There's another study that showed that six-year-olds specifically, first graders specifically, their reading skills are so drastically behind that some of them literally might not catch up. So my joke about, yeah, he'll read before college, you know, I get to make that joke because we already got him a tutor. We work with him all the time. And I just worry about all the kids 
who don't get that, who won't have parents who focus all of their energy on it. Um, But I have to do what's best for my kids. And there's so many people. Continue, uh, yeah. I continue to do that. And there's just a bunch of officials, Carol. Yeah. There are like a bunch of officials and politicians out there who seem to be fine with this. Sort of like, well, this is just the science, even though it's not. And this is about fairness and safety and equity. And in fact, there are kids (laughs) really getting harmed and you've had enough of it. Let me ask you two last questions about Mm -hmm. this. One is something that popped into my mind as soon as I saw the tweet starting that you were leaving New York. Is there any hesitation or maybe a second thought about this, given the fact that a seemingly non-insane mayor is about to become inaugurated? I mean, if it were four more years of de Blasio, I mean, then obviously you do what you have to do. But Eric Adams on public safety, even on COVID, Mm -hmm. he seems a lot more sensible. Does that play into this at all? Yeah. So I I have some hope for Eric Adams, and and I'm rooting my little heart off for New York. I really am. I hope New York does well. I just don't feel like I need to be here uh, to be a part of that anymore. And so the thing with Eric Adams is... He really, so last week, um, or this week actually, Bill de Blasio um, has this new mandate out where private businesses will, will have to force vaccinations on their employees and kids as young as five must be vaccinated to go inside restaurants, to go inside museums, etc. It's wild. Um, I have not vaccinated my kids yet. Um, I'm very pro-vax, but I think it's ridiculous to vaccinate children because they simply don't need it. And if... You know, if I saw evidence to the contrary, I would vaccinate them, but I'm not doing it until I see that. So we have a situation where, once again, kids are just being kind of taken along for the ride where they they really are not being thought of at all. Um, And actually, when when he first mandated that people needed to be vaccinated to get into indoor spaces like restaurants and museums, etc., he completely forgot about to mention kids. He he had to, like, rewrite the the rule uh, in order to be like, oh, yeah, but kids who didn't have the vaccine at the time are exempt from this. So, um, and I haven't heard a word from Eric Adams saying that he's going to change any of this. So I I really, um, I am, I think Eric Adams will be an improvement because it's hard not to be, but Mm. I don't have some great overarching hope that sanity will return. I think the worst part about all of this is I think New Yorkers want these rules. I think they want the mandates. I think they want the masking and I can't live with that anymore. Well, some of them do, some of them don't, and some of them who hate it as much as you do are leaving. A lot have left already. Yeah. Last question, mm-hmm. Carol, where are you going? Uh, free state of Florida. <laughs> I, we, we lived there last year for a few months, and it was a magical 2019 wonderland. And it's absolutely owed to their fantastic governor who draws the line and puts kids first. And I have really loved to see it. So I, it's going to be the free state of Florida for the Markowitzes. Come visit. Well, I will. And New York's loss is Florida's gain. And sorry, Bill de Blasio. And I guess congratulations, Ron DeSantis. I mean, that's sort of what's happened here. And she talked about it a lot. People didn't think it would ever actually come to pass, but it has. The Markowitzes are headed down to Florida. They can't take it in New York anymore. Carol, it's sort of a sad story, but also a telling one. I wanted people to hear it here Carol Markowitz, columnist at the New York Post. Maybe you'll have to get a job at like the Sun Sentinel or something down there. Also for foxnews.com. But yeah. All right. That's good news. Thank you, Carol. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Guy. Thank you. And the happy hour continues on The Guy Benson Show straight ahead. was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.